respect for him. None. Zero. Tragic magic. The Celtics called us chokers and fakers and sissies. There's one thing I hate in life. It's the Boston Celtics. Why? Jerry, don't you see this world here? This is George's sanctuary. If Susan comes into contact with this world, his worlds collide. You know what happens then? Well, that was really a stupid thing. You know what's going to happen now? Worlds collide. Because this world is your sanctuary, and if that world comes in contact... Yes, it blows up! You know that? What did you tell Elaine for? I didn't know. Kramer told me about the worlds. You couldn't figure out the world's theory for yourself? It's just common sense. Anybody knows you gotta keep your worlds apart. This is not good. Worlds are colliding. Good evening, my name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast. Welcome back into the film room. But, as George Costanza once said, worlds are colliding. We are, for the first time, doing a film room in a roundtable format here. And so, I recruited three fairly reputable people. Well, two reputable people and Andy Gerles. But anyway... You know, he just he just smiles and nods in agreement, so he's he's not going to fight it. So, uh, no, Josh Lutke from Creighton Prep, Tom Crable from Boys Town, and we'll just call him G. He's just, he just goes by G. So, uh, we are at Wine One Twenty One. Tom, thanks once again for for hosting us here tonight. Welcome. Yeah, and we are in the film room, and not only are we in the film room, but we are going with a multiple part, uh, multiple part episode we've we've never done this before it's it's a three-part episode and guys I, I you know i start planning this when did i reach out to you month six weeks ago probably yeah, easily yeah, probably well as the playoffs started narrowing down i thought plum you are a marketing genius it looks like there's a great chance where the lakers and the celtics could end up in the finals together <laughs> uh-huh. and and this would have just just absolutely nailed it and then thank you nikola Jokic, and thank you jimmy butler for screwing up my entire marketing plan with a pen and a napkin, but uh, that's okay. We are actually, what's the, is it today the 23rd? Yep. It's 23rd, so uh, we're doing this a week out from the NBA Finals. We're, we're going to drop this uh, about a week from now, right before the Finals start, so that was kind of the purpose of, of timing it mm-hmm. for right here. It's so uh, We are reliving the glory days of the NBA, the, the golden years of the NBA, if you will, uh, with the Lakers and the Celtics' best of enemies, and I thought I would bring in three guys that kind of live live through this a little bit. Now, G keeps saying that he's too young to remember yeah, all this. Yeah, but I'm younger than everybody here. So. <laughs> but but you still have to remember some of this. I do, absolutely, I do. I mean, that's one of the few 
uh, memories of my father in childhood was he was a Laker fan, and this was one of my early memories of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, was, was taking this uh, rivalry in. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So the question has to be asked. The first question: Who was everybody rooting for? G. Lakers. Well, my dad, like I said, my dad was a Lakers fan, so I suppose I was rooting for the Lakers. But mm-hmm. as a grown person, I probably would have been cheering hard for the Celtics. Okay. TK? Oh, I'm a longtime Celtics fan. Havlicek, Cowens, Kuzi, all those guys in the 70s into the 80s. So, yeah. Bird, and I can name that starting lineup, too, and yeah. down the bench and all that. So, I was a huge Celtics fan. Huge. Did and up today. Did you used to play pickup with Kuzi? Like no. when you were in college? <laughs> no, no. No. Okay. All right. Because he's 92. <laughs> I think he just celebrated her birthday. He's 92. He so. is. I'm not 92, Marty. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So... Josh, I, I would I would say I was uh, rooting for the Celtics, and and I think I would uh, I would choose that because I was probably enjoyed their style of play a lot more than maybe the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of liked the way that the Celtics kind of I mean they ran when they could, but they mm-hmm. made it more of a half court, too big, physical type game, and mm-hmm. they just played hard. And that's not to say the Lakers didn't play hard, but the Lakers were at their best when they were showtime and they were running and yep. uh, it was just a different brand of basketball and obviously with my athletic ability I probably fit more with the Celtics so that's probably why I would choose there but uh, go back real quick you know Gerlez is a prep guy so he's got a lot of street cred um, he comes from a coaching tree of Coach Hawk who, who's got a lot of street cred so uh, he's got a lot of a lot of good input coming here tonight. Well, I'm sure he does. Oh, yeah. Well uh, half of us have notes but we can <laughs> say right. that, right, Andy? He has That's notes. Right. I have zero. I have nothing. <laughs> I'm all in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I lived it. I don't need a note for something I live. Okay. All right. Uh, for the record, at the time, I was. I believe I was cheering for the Lakers. I, I and I kind of grew into the whole Celtics thing later on, and had newfound respect for how the the Celtics played and and the way that they played. But they were, you know, obviously two great teams. Um, some stats here, gentlemen. I want to let's 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 break this down here a little bit. Both both franchises today have 17 NBA championships. That is a common number that that most NBA fans know. But here's some stuff you may not know. Okay, and we know during this stretch that we're talking about 84, 85, 87, the Lakers won two and the Celtics won one. Okay, which franchise? had more wins in the 80s, well, the Lakers you, or the Celtics. Just, what'd you just say there? The Lakers 84. won two out of three, 84, 85, and 87. No, no. Celtics won in 84, Lakers oh, in I'm 85, sorry. Celtics sorry. in 86, uh, Lakers in 87. I got the answer. And 88, sorry. I think. So they went, three, they went three out of five. Let's and he doesn't have any notes. I've already been trumped. <laughs> I've already been trumped. Crable doesn't have any notes. He's already trumped me. All right. So who had more wins in the 80s, the Lakers or the Celtics? Who? Who had more wins in the 80s? Uh, regular season, championship combined. Just total wins. Uh, I'd say Lakers. Celtics. Uh, I'd probably say Celtics. So we have two Celtics and one Laker? Mm-hmm. Who had Lakers? Andy? The Celtics had 592 wins in the 80s. The Lakers had 591. Yeah. Well, they were literally separated by one win. Well, All right. Who won more head-to-head games in the regular season, Lakers or Celtics? I would probably say Lakers. I would think Lakers. I'll guess Lakers. Lakers, 11-7. to Mm -hmm. Okay. Who averaged more points per game, 
in oh, the Lakers. 80s. Lakers. It's gotta be Lakers. Yep. One fifteen to one twelve. Yeah. Who had more re- rebounds in the eighties? Lakers or Celtics? Celtics with the front line they had. I'm gonna think. go Celtics. I'm gonna Josh. I'm gonna stay with Celtics. It was it, the Lakers. It wouldn't surprise right. me though. Thirty six thousand this is amazing. Thirty six thousand six hundred rebounds for the Lakers in the eighties. 36,569 rebounds for the Celtics, literally off by 31 rebounds. Most fascinating statistic that I, as I was going through this this afternoon, who averaged more three-pointers made per game in the 80s, the Lakers or the Celtics? I think it's a trick question, the Lakers. I think Lakers. I'm going to go Lakers as well. The Celtics. Wow. But here's the crazy part. The Celtics averaged... 1.4 1.4 made three-pointers a game in yep. the 80s. Jeez. Incredible. The Lakers, 1.1. That's just, it's a, it's, it's an insane number. You know, you look at it today, and, and, and that's... Yeah, that number today is probably not not 1.3 or 1.4. That's that's 1.4 every two minutes. Yeah, yes. right. <laughs> so, every third possession. Yeah, especially with the way the Celtics played this year, but let's not get on that soapbox right now. So... Um, <laughs> Overall thoughts, guys. I mean, I just, you know, uh, we're going to, I'm going to give you a heads up. We're going to violate a little bit, and I kind of sent you the text earlier today about what we're going to do a little bit later on. So this might be a little bit looser with the with the categories than we normally do in the film room, but just kind of the overall thoughts of, of, of the three-part series here. We had about, gosh, four, well, more than four about four and a half hours of stuff to watch for this. Mm-hmm. So is this like gone with the wind without the intermission? <laughs> um, you know, uh, Josh, I, I mean, yeah. for me, what stood out was uh, in both teams. I mean, just the the knack of, I know they, they said they, they probably respected one another, but they hated each other. And mm-hmm. the just the way they played, like it was, everybody knew it was going to be Celtics-Lakers. Mm-hmm. And... Obviously, the bad boys came in a little bit later, but when you got down to it, I mean, each one, the Lakers pushed the Celtics to be the best. The Celtics pushed the Lakers to be the best. Um, One through probably 12 or 13 wanted to to be at their best during that series, and they fed off each other, and just the contrasting styles of play Uh um, was really interesting for me because when the Celtics were able to play at their pace... And control ball movement and play the physical style of play. They had a lot of success. Where when the Lakers were able to be showtime and get out and run, they obviously scored at will. And uh, it was just pretty incredible to watch. And, and just obviously, I, I can't remember what 84, 85. I'm probably 12, 11, and I'm watching and I kind of understand what's going on. But to look back now and just watch both teams, how incredibly hard both teams played. The style they wanted it was, it was great to watch yeah yeah and and it i mean just watching it like the game wasn't over until it said zeros on the clock yeah because there were multiple games through all the series where you know magic hits the shot with two seconds left but then all of a sudden larry makes a, a great move and gets wide open he just misses a jumper by you know that by that much yep. and the game was never over until it was over yeah yeah right um well living it i can tell you brings back kind of the cultural stuff that was going on back then and it kind of carried on to the UNLV Duke stuff if you were black you're a 
Lakers yeah. fan. If you're white, you're a Celtics fan. Well, at the time, fan. it was Georgetown. And, and, right, or whatever. And, and, and that was kind of going on throughout the country and throughout even our, the school I was at or whatever. But you, 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 those guys were so good that they would cross that sometimes, right? Uh-huh. Friends of mine that were, were, were white loved Magic Johnson. Friends of mine that were black thought Larry Bird could shoot the heck out of the ball. Uh-huh. Um, so that was one thing that I remember. Um, the other thing is the, the Bird-Magic relationship that happens. I think with us, too, sometimes you start out as a competitor. You hate each other's guts. You're going to beat your brains out. Uh-huh. But over the course of time, when you learn to learn somebody, who somebody is, and you become friends, and they became really good friends and very close to this day. Uh-huh. Um, well, that's happened to me in my coaching career and playing career and all that kind of stuff. So that's just a, that's just a theme throughout sports where you compete, 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 and all of a sudden you become good buddies with who you're competing with once you learn who they are. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How about you, G? Well, I would agree with both uh, what these guys had said. I mean, um, the one of the things that I really was impressed with were just like some of the complexities of um, what this series meant culturally, um, and then. Uh, to Coach Lutke's point, I mean, like, I think it was a 1984 series. I mean, it was tied 2-2, and the the Celtics never let in regulation. Mm-hmm. Like, the, those ga- they won them in overtime, and so they were never leading in regulation. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, a couple other things that I was thinking about while, while watching this was all these guys that, that are sitting on stacks of cash right now should um, really thank Magic and Bird because, uh-huh. I mean, these games used to be uh, played on replay after the 10 o'clock news, and then, um, you know, it just it, in 1979, the, the NBA was kind of on the ropes. Yeah. And, yeah. and these, you know, not just Magic and Bird, but the Lakers and Celtics really helped um, – to, to bring that to the forefront. And the other thing I kept thinking about uh, when I watched it was I get mad at 15-year-old girls for making mistakes, and you got, you know, James Worthy throwing it away to Henry, you know, and then you've got Magic, Magic Johnson dribbling out the time. Yeah. yeah, Magic dribbles, Johnson dribbles didn't know how much time was left in the game, dribbled yep. it out. Yep. Pat Riley didn't advance the ball, you know, yep. so I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, I'm getting mad at 15-year-old girls for, for making a mistake, and you know these guys are the best players on the planet. Yeah, didn't know how much time was left in an NBA Finals game. Yeah, uh, you know, so so some of those things were uh, you know on the forefront for me. But I would just go back to what Coach Crable said with uh, the you know the, the cultural complexities of everything else that was at play uh-huh. uh, was was fascinating to watch. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with a couple of those. That I want to piggyback on a couple of things. One of the one of the things that happened and I didn't really realize until we started talking about it here was, and again, I, I understand, and the, and the two things tie together. You know, they, they were talking about, I remember, and I was very young, I was probably nine or 10 when Magic signed the 25 year, $25 million contract. And everybody thought, how outrageous is that 25, $25 million over 25 years? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like, guys get paid that in a week now. You know, so like you were saying, G, you know, the, the, the guys that are now playing 60 games a year, flying commercial jets with personal chefs and trainers and, and things like that, I mean, you know, the, the they need to thank Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Kareem, all of these guys for all of these things that they have right now. Um, I also, and again, I understand why and how and overall I support the current ability of players to 
have their own freedom to choose where they want to work, so to speak. But also what made this great was you basically had the same characters in the story pretty much every year. Like, you knew it was Kareem, Worthy, Cooper, Magic. You, you didn't have sitting there going, well, Worthy, after his rookie contract, could he sign a restricted free agent deal with the Sacramento Kings for, you know, this and that and the other thing? And 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 the way that, like, teams this good would not be able to stay together this long under the salary cap rules and everything that we have today in the NBA which created the greatness of this rivalry and it wasn't just these guys it was it was the Sixers in the late 70s and early 80s it was the Pistons that came 4 or 5 you know that team you know like if you remember that Pistons team they they grew together that was like a 7 year run with about the same core guys you know about the only thing that they changed out was like Adrian Dantley, and he went out, and Mark Aguirre came in. Otherwise, it was kind of the same guys year in and year so out. So I still argue this point to my buddies, who we go back and talk about this. Name somebody in the Western Conference who you would put into the same category as any of those teams you just named. The Sixers, the Pistons, the mm-hmm. Bulls. They, the Celtics had a harder time oh, manipulating yes. through that in the playoffs. And yeah. Houston with the Elijah on and Samson. Samson. That'd be about the only team that you would think. Mm. Yeah, and they got beaten yeah. '86 too, by the way. So yeah, I was I was running those those stats by you know who had the most wins. I think five of the six franchises that had the most wins in the '80s were from the Eastern Conference. Yeah, just you was, know. So um, here's now the, it's might have. Now, and of course that ebbs and flows. That ebbs and flows. Yeah, right, but, but uh, now the West is pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know we're you know kind of the, I, I really like the first, and again I'm a sports history nerd I, I taught a class sports history uh at one time and we talked about how you know and the story's been told many times how the nba was basically on the verge of folding you know even you know uh, the celtics were only getting three four thousand people a game they said during the late 70s because they were really bad uh you know and magic and bird come in and save this whole thing but like you're saying gee tape delayed games finals games on tape yeah. delay you know now we have two hour pregame shows for the finals you know <laughs> yeah those guys would play in the game and go home and watch it they could go wager some money down on the street corner if they wanted to you know so <laughs> i bet you we lose 108 to 102 tonight so um anything else on the on the overall thoughts of things um I, I thought the history of the rivalry was really well done uh the torment that jerry west went through and and um you know the winning time they kind of took that to a bit of an extreme uh you know that was one thing i was going to talk about i think a little bit with with jerry west is that um i thought it was strange and i might have missed it they, they didn't mention that he was the mvp of the finals on a losing team in this documentary, I don't nope. think. Nope, the only one ever, I believe. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I read a book, you know, his biography, mm-hmm. um, Charmed, Tormented Life, and it, it's it's fascinating that, you know, um, just he was never able to, exp- to to enjoy any of his success. I mm-hmm. mean, whether it be as a player, a coach, an executive, um, he just, it, it's a fascinating read if you ever yeah. get a chance to take a look at it but he was just kind of always in self-destruction mode yeah but uh, but i thought it was interesting that they kind of left that left, left that piece out i thought that was yeah because uh, i didn't feel like the documentary favored one. i thought they did a good job of not mm-hmm. favoring one side over the other but i thought that was an interesting omission that's uh yeah 
you know, not to nitpick, but you could have saved that for in-game adjustments, G, but we won't hold that against you. All right, that's, that's fine. All right, so. I'm just trying to be like these guys. Step ahead. <laughs> um, but you're talking about tormented people. On the on the Lakers side, you had Jerry West for lack of success. You had Bill Russell for the racial issues, you know, and, and you know, people didn't realize what Bill Russell was going through. You know, people literally broke into his house yeah. and crapped on his bed in his master bedroom. I mean, people in Boston did that to him, and and the the stuff that that he went through, and it's just you know. So he, yes, he's winning, but oh my God, what right. does he have to come back to? You know, type of a thing. Would you just? Oh, okay. I thought you had something to add there. No, I just you know I was just taking a look at you know where it said in game adjustments, and I, I screwed up. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I forgive you. You brought up Jerry West, so that's right. Okay, I was on all right. Mind, that's, so. a, that's okay. All right, thank you. I, I, I still it. love you, G. You Just like you I said, even, right even pros make mistakes. <laughs> even pros make mistakes. And I'm far, far from a pro. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any, anything else, just kind of on the overall, um, everything with it? Well, it was entertaining. It was good. For somebody who lived it, they got it, they got it spot on for yeah. the most part. What do you I think really the, enjoyed looking, going back and, and kind of reliving that. So. Yeah. What do you think of the two narrators? <laughs> uh, it was interesting. Um, I, I thought the thing after looking back at it, obviously at Bird Magic, Kareem, and uh, Parrish, and, you know, James Worthy and Kevin McHale, but I thought the people that played, the players that played a big role of this the series were – the, the guys that maybe you don't talk a lot about. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one person that doesn't get a lot of credit, and and I think uh, Johnson for the Celtics, uh, T.J. Johnson was He was kind really of, good. He was good. Oh, he was um, really good. And and then you look at the guy everybody hated was Danny Ainge. Mm-hmm. And they might still hate him today. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you look and you like you see this guy named Sitching playing number twelve. Oh, Jerry Seaching. Like Jerry Seaching. Yeah, like he's playing in the NBA Seaching. Finals. Yeah. Um, you got Cedric Maxwell coming off the bench. You got all these guys playing roles. And for the Cel- for the Lakers, you know, you had, you know, obviously Cooper was a really good player, but he wasn't Magic mm-hmm. or James Worthy or Kareem. Mm-hmm. And then you had guys like Jamal Wilkes coming off mm-hmm. and. You had Kurt Rambis coming off. Or Buddy McKenna when he when he yeah. won a ring. 82? I mean, you just had all these, like, these guys that fit into these roles that kind of accepted them. Mm-hmm. And, and nowadays, if you if you look at it, like, would those would there be guys that wanted to fit in those roles today compared to what it was back then? And, you know, the answer is probably no. Yeah. Like, these, these guys knew that the Lakers and Celtics were the – the teams to kind of save, mm-hmm. and I probably committed a, you know, no, 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 mistake, you're fine. You know, no, in-game no. adjustments. No, no, but, uh, <laughs> you know, these damn prep guys, yeah, yeah. They can't get things yeah. right. But yeah, I'll, I'll I, hell breaks loose. To me, some repsters onto it. Did you guess that I'm the one following the rules? <laughs> no, <laughs> to me, no, not at all. Prep guys, we just do our own thing. Yeah. To me, yeah. that yeah. was that was kind of fascinating. Was yeah. the the people, the players that played the the roles and the pieces of this thing really kind of lived up to every time they played they lived up to their roles uh-huh. and without those players in those roles i'm not sure it's quite the series that it is yeah well and, and i think you bring up a great point josh i think guys will do that for like a year so like right now um like with the nuggets you got bruce brown and kcp and, and we're filming this on tuesday the, the nuggets just made their way into the finals last night um they're gonna do that for a year but are, are they going to be looking for a payday? 
a year down the line, or or in the I don't I don't know what their contract status is, or the kid from the Lakers, the Reeves kid, yeah. who kind of came out of nowhere. You know, is he going to be looking for a payday somewhere else? Whereas Cooper was like, I'll just spend ten years coming off the bench for the Lakers and doing what I do for twenty twenty four minutes a night and do this and do that. You know, and yeah. and and I think that's the the unique part of it. It's not that guys aren't willing to do that now; they'll do it. Yeah. But not for the longer time. But not for not for the extended amount of time. And that's you know? the trickle down effect of what happens in the NCAA. It happens in high school. Mm-hmm. Shoot, it happens in AAU teams and junior highs. I mean, well, they'll, they'll, AAU guys will switch teams at halftime. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. they just you know maybe yeah. a year they'll do it, but then they're looking for the next best thing yeah. at the end of the year. So yeah. I, I thought it was really key, like watching that, just seeing these guys kind of fit in their roles and mm-hmm. and accepting those roles and. It was all about winning. It wasn't, yeah. It wasn't about anything else except they hated each other and they wanted to beat each other and yeah. they wanted back, to play in the finals. Back so. in the day, there was a process, right? You get to this point, you learn yep. how to win, you learn how playoff to playoff scars. Yep, blah blah blah. This day and age, just buy another player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. just get get a threesome together and go win something or try to compete for it. And then <laughs> yeah. If that doesn't work, just get three new more players. Yeah, so, that's right. Well, just a different world. Uh, Favorite scenes. Let's let's go there then. Let's jump in. Favorite scenes. Um, I got I got uh, I don't know six seven stuff. I mean it was hard to narrow it down to be honest with you. Um, you want me to start? I can start. Um, I, I again I like the uh, the history like the first half hour to forty five mm-hmm. minutes of them going through the whole history of the Celtics and the Lakers. I thought that was really really well done. Uh, again, fair both ways. I, I think it was a very impartial documentary all the way through. But that was one of my favorite things. Uh, so I'll lead with that. That was one of my favorite ones. Uh, anybody else got something else? I will forever love Magic Johnson dribbling out the clock in '84. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was a I was a high school sophomore summer. Got my first job at Chesterman's loading up pop and trucks, <laughs> and I ran home. <laughs> And I probably left some pop unattended and not on the trucks to get home to see this tape delay. Uh-huh. And Magic Johnson dribbles out the clock, and I'm jumping up and down in my living room going, hip, hip, hooray. Because yeah. I think that was game five. I'm pretty yeah. sure that no, was game. No, that was, that was uh, game two. Two? That was but game they went two. up 2-0. I yeah, knew it was, up, it was yeah. some, but it's at Boston, and that's my, that, I love why. I could watch that right now. We could put that up on YouTube <laughs> and go down that rabbit hole if we wanted to. Um. I actually had the middle episode where they just spent 50-some minutes talking about the 84 finals. Yeah. Could that be just one whole favorite scene that's like 50, 50 minutes long? I, I, I thought that was probably the best part of the whole thing was just spending 50 right. minutes talking about seven basketball games. And, yeah. And there was no other stuff. There were no other side stories or this or that. It was I just, also, 1B is watching Kareem, who I absolutely hated. Sweat his, you know what, off in the Boston Garden was 105, yeah. and they shut off the uh, air conditioning in the locker room, and there was obviously no air conditioning there. So that that was a that that would that would be deemed like a illegal sweatshop at oh, some, yeah. uh, some I loved uh, it. retreat somewhere, sure. you know. So today, so I I like I mean I I like the the history part at the beginning, but also the game seven stuff. But I thought it was interesting at the end listening to the players talk. You know, at the end of the show, where you have like Cedric Maxwell talking, he's like, you know, this was 25, 30 years ago, and I 
I just kind of moved on. And then you're you're hearing Magic and Michael Cooper and those guys talking like, man, we hated them. We hated oh, losing yeah. it. I still kills me today. So it's like Celtics kind of feel like they've kind of let it go, but the Lakers were still <laughs> kind of, oh, hell no, we're not letting it go. Like, uh-huh. we're going to talk about it. And we hated losing to you and we hated beating you. And even when uh, Magic said, you know, I think someone at the end, he said something about somebody asked me if I was going to feel sorry for Larry Bird. He's like, oh, hell no. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to talk about the national championship. And when I beat him, the two NBA finals, yep. I'm not going to feel sorry for him at all. And just that to me was kind of the fun part because, you know, it's that's just the relationship that those two teams had. And, uh-huh. you know, it's like Tom said, you know, yeah. we, we have teams we want to beat all the time. But, you know, at the end of the day, when the game's over – you know, we laugh and we talk and we have fun. I don't know if they really did that until 20, 30 no. years later. <laughs> yeah. uh, for us, it's a little bit different. But for those guys, it, it was true hatred. and uh-huh. um, But it was a respectful hate. So Yeah. yeah. G? Yeah, for me, I think um, a lot of it, like Coach Lukey was saying, is just uh, listening like Pat Riley at the end, you know, saying – that you know he's still not over some of that stuff and he'd sit there and go I'm you know at the time you know I'm 71 years old I still have trouble talking to Larry I still can't I still have trouble talking to Danny Ainge yep um and you know and 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 go back to Jerry West I mean uh you know Jerry West talked about like they get that MVP award and and I I, you know he didn't want it because it was a green car like he still doesn't want to go to Boston um he had trouble going to Boston for the, you know, and still to yeah. this day, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I don't know, like, if that's, you know, healthy or whatever, but like, at the same time, I think it shows a, like a different type of competition and um, because, you know, like these guys didn't grow up together playing AAU, Correct. they didn't grow up together, you know, like, like, I don't know that we'll ever see any rivalries like this again, because, you know, like, we, we, these guys grow up together and they're all buddies and, it, sometimes you know, like you know, they want to win, but at the same time, at the end, it's like, oh, hey, you know, like they're all buddy buddy, sure. and then, like, like I don't th- like, like Coach just said, I don't. These guys weren't buddy buddy until twenty, thirty years later. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you can still see some of the scars from not winning, yeah. and how you know, just for lack of a better word, tormented some of them are still. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you don't get to that level without having a. a, a Point oh 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 one percent competitive spectrum. You know, I mean, you you, you have to just despise losing and fighting for whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. you know, other, unless you're Magic Larry McHale, you know, the greats. You know, most of these guys are hanging by a thread. There's not much yeah. difference between the the fourth guy on most teams and the fifteenth guy right. on most teams. You know, so you have to have that. I mean, I feel like today, and Tom already said it, but I feel like if if the Lakers they lose, then all of a sudden. It's like already today, well, we lost, but it's like, okay, now how can we get better? What three guys can we get? Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. It, the Celtics and podcast, Lakers, yeah. they, they'd be pissed off today. They would. Mm-hmm. These Zero. guys didn't want to, like, join up. No. no. Like, they wanted to, how are we going to beat these yeah. guys? Zero like, it wasn't continuity. Like, hey. Yeah. Today, zero continuity. Zero working to get better as a unit. Uh-huh. Uh, you're firing the coach after your losing series, a la Philadelphia. There's talk Boston. If they lose tonight, they're going to get rid of the guy that took him to the final. I mean, and so I mean, it's just so it's such a different world. There's zero continuity to it, and there's, the mindset is different versus let's get in the gym, let's work together better, let's get better individually so we can get better as a team. Blah blah blah. Now it's 
just go buy somebody. Yeah. Just go but, buy somebody. Uh, he, Riley thought if they didn't win it in 85, he was going to get fired. You know, and so, I mean, there there is, you know, after he took him to the final, they got, they won it in 82 with him as head coach. And then in 83, they lost to the Sixers. In 84, they lost to the Celtics in the finals. And then he thought if they didn't win in 85, that bus was going to fire him. You know, so, and then Fitch got fired after the 83 season. But, you know, it was kind of more of the guys that tuned him out, you know, and that type of thing. So Back in those days. Larry wanted a new coach. He got a new coach. Magic sure. wants that um, coach to stay. That coach is staying. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan doesn't want Doug Collins. He wants somebody else. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. That was just back then. That's the way you can get change. Um, some some quick hitter, uh, quick scenes that I liked. Uh, and again, this is just kind of a replay. The the Larry Magic background, the '79 title game. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, they talked about. Uh, Dr. Bus and the Showtime and how he kind of came up with a lot of those concepts. Um, the the trash talking that took, it just some that's some <laughs> epic epic. Oh, tra- yeah. I mean the guys are walking around. You know Cedric Maxwell's going in front of Worthy. Don't don't choke. Don't choke. <laughs> I mean you know that type of thing. Um, Danny Ainge walking around with the stethoscope before was it game is it game mm-hmm. seven that he did that? You know just you know who's got the heart tonight? I love. I could, you know, TK, you were talking about the uh, magic thing. I can sit and watch the highlights of Bird's 60-point game against the Atlanta Hawks and watch the Hawks bench react mm-hmm. that entire time. I could watch that over and over again where he's just, right. and they're over there, oh, you know. Um, that That's good stuff. Um, I really enjoyed the story of Kareem. Uh, in the '85 finals, after he played, they thought he was they thought he was done. They thought he was dead, and and then he came out. And his dad, you know, touching story again. You know, we're, we're all uh, affected by these type of things. Where uh, the dad's on the bus with Kareem before Game Two, and he's locked in. He's like, "Nah, I'm not done yet. Uh, I still got a lot in me here," and 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 that type of thing. So those are some other things that I really enjoyed from yeah. it as well. Just some some quick hitters on that. Anybody anybody got anything else on any of those? No, I mean, just listening to even like Byron Scott uh, when he was talking about, um, I can't think of what game it was, but uh, Bird hit the shot from the corner to win it. And he's like, he told us to play. He told us exactly what was going on. <laughs> and he's like, we all knew what was going to happen and we couldn't stop it. And that he's was like, James Worthy had a, yeah, he had a he was, yeah. He was, he's like, God, the guy's telling us to play and he's, he's the best player in the league and we still let him get the shot. He's like, that hurts and that's yeah. painful. And, um, you know, and then you listen to it's, I thought it was interesting to listen to Bill Walton when he joined the series, like yeah. just hearing his thoughts on it from, you know, his team. And it, it just was, those guys listening to the players talk, I, I just got a kick out of that. Yeah. Um, that's the narrators were great, and you know Wahlberg and Ice Ice Cube, and but when you hear the Max Cedric Maxwells and the Bill Walters yeah. and the Byron Scotts and yeah. the answers, you know the Larry Bird sitting down with Isaiah Thomas during you know that no, part of that it, happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of comical to listen to those guys, just kind of the, the sarcastic remarks they would make against mm-hmm. one another. They respected yeah. them, but they weren't going to go without a jab here or a jab oh, yeah. there. So. Oh, yeah. Um, underrated funny guy, uh, Kevin McHale, with his Bill Walton impression. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I, I just want to I just want to personally apologize for my effort here tonight, guys. <laughs> or know? when Bill Walton was answering the phone that he was the uh, 1985 world champion. And he said that might have lasted five years, and he's like, God, get over it. He's like, move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> worst. Uh, worst scenes, and, and uh, you know, for four and a half hours, I didn't find hardly any bad scenes at all. I think the hardest thing, um, and TK, you touched on it, the, the cultural stuff, and especially the racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, two completely different. It was racism in both places, but racism nonetheless. Uh, whether you're dealing with the busing issues in Boston and the, you know, Bill Russell and the stereotypes of the, the the roster makeup of the Celtics versus the racism in Los Angeles that we know occurred in the 70s and the 80s yeah. with police and things like that that culminated in Rodney King and, and all that stuff in the early 90s, which, you know, doesn't fit this timeline, but we, we know what's going on. So, uh, you know, Tom, you, you, that, you know, as, as a history person, you know, every time you see like that picture of, and I forget the gentleman's name, that was going to get speared by the American flag out in front of City Hall in Boston over the, the, yeah. the busing issue. Um, I mean, I just... That it, just it is, it's, ama- it's always amazed me how those things go on in the world, yet in our world of athletics, there's very little of it. I mean, it just you, yeah. you, those teams existed. They don't. They don't see color. They see ability. Mm-hmm. They see championships. They see common goals. Um, and that's the beauty of sports, right? We all live it, do it every day. Um, but back then, it was just so polarizing, and it just didn't need to be. And uh, and it, it really continued, as far as I can remember. I mean, it, it spilled into college sports and blah blah up until the mid '90s, mm-hmm. late '90s. I, I don't know if that really happens today too much. I'd have to give it some thought. Obviously, if not as much, a, but there's, I'm sure there's still, still sentiment out but, there. But uh, but not like it did back then, man. It was. It was you really drew your line and saying like, "Oh, you're wearing a Lakers jersey." Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. That guy must be crazy. That guy must be, or or um, you like a certain brand of basketball, like you know, you like fast pace and undisciplined and blah 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 versus disciplined, blah blah. blah. You know, those lines got drawn too within the basketball world back then. I remember coaches arguing those kinds of things, mm-hmm. but. Um, that's unfortunate. That that'd be the downside. Obviously, I think Andy said that'd be the downside of having to watch that. That was a tough watch, and listen to when some of that stuff was going on, uh-huh. and wishing that it wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. G. Well, for me, I think part of it is uh, making the connection on how important like some of these public figures can be in that. With yeah. the civil rights, you know, I uh, the segment that kind of resonated with me is when Medgar Evers got assassinated and yeah. Bill Russell. Uh, went to Jackson, Mississippi, and then worked to have an integrated basketball camp. Um, you know, so it was kind of like Bill Russell was sitting there, you know, kind of, well, you know, what can I do to help? How can I serve? Um, and, and that's kind of lost in, in a lot of society now, like, you know, how, how to serve other people uh-huh. instead of serving yourself. But, you know, that was something, you know, being a, a U.S. history teacher that, you know, kind of resonated with me. Um, that, that was a fist that, pump, in case you people didn't hear that. I don't us, know. <laughs> us history nerds need to stay together. Uh, you know, I, you talked about, like, bad, you know, I don't know if that was a, I mean, it was a bad situation. Bad but, situation, yeah. You know, then. Hard to watch. Then, then, yeah, exactly. You know, so that was the scene where I was just like, you know, because probably four weeks ago, that's what we were talking about in class, you know, mm-hmm. Medgar being assassinated and how he was uh, part of the NAACP and, 
getting gunned down in his own house in Jackson, Mississippi. So uh, to see Bill Russell, you know, go out and serve and try to be a positive force there was pretty powerful. Uh-huh. Do those figures exist today? Like I heard a deal with Jim Brown just passing away, yeah. where Jim Brown brought Bloods and Crips to his house while he's burning and said, this ain't happening here today. We're going to figure this out. And these these kids showed up, put yeah. their guns down, and did it out of the respect for him. And they, they, Is there anybody that exists today that could carry those? Because Bill Russell could carry those way, that weight back then. Yeah. Jim Brown certainly could. I mean... I, I don't know the figure that would do that. I, I don't know if there's that one central figure, but I think there's like like Jalen Brown for the Celtics is very involved in community, and, and mm-hmm. Malcolm Brogdon is a, you know they just happen to be on the Celtics, but I know those uh, even if they weren't on the Celtics, I was, those are yeah. two pretty prominent uh, folks. But you know, Jalen Brown's a very nice basketball player, but nobody's going to mention him in the same breath as Bill Russell or Jim Brown. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. you know what I mean. So. Um, but you know that's that's I think that's uh, you know obviously what we went through a couple of summers ago with with everything that happened with the George Floyd protests and Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor and all that other stuff I, I think we um, saw people trying to step up and trying to some were trying to heal some were trying to harm mm-hmm. and and most people were trying to heal but there were still those that were trying to harm and and so uh, I guess it's a good thing Tom. Let's spin this in a positive See, way. That, that was my game changer. That, that was a game, game, game changer. That, yeah, that we don't have to rely on, hopefully, like the Jim Browns and the Bill Russells anymore, that hopefully we've made advances. We still have a long ways mm-hmm. to go. Don't get it. We, we all know that. We all know we have a long ways to go. But this, it's not as necessary, mm-hmm. per se, now. But it is still necessary because we have to stay on top of it. So right. how about you, Josh? Some of the scenes that were tough for you to watch at times. I mean, you guys named them all. Um, it, it, just the opinions that everybody had. You know, I, I think there was, and I can't remember his name, there was one gentleman who was an African-American gentleman, and they asked him, you know, his thought about the whole cultural, you know, the Lakers this and the mm-hmm. Celtics this. And he actually, his remarks were that he thought the Celtics were doing something good by having a team of, you know, both African-Americans and, um, you know, white people on it working together for a common good, trying to show that we could work together, Mm -hmm. you know, because you had Cedric Maxwell, ML Carr, Dennis Johnson, Parrish, um, Parrish, the head coach was Casey Jones. Casey Jones, yeah. Um, You know, and and then you had the Birds and the the McKenna, the uh, McHale, and obviously Ainge, but... You know, he applauded Boston, you know, for their trying to have those guys work together. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of towards the end of, I would say, the last part of it that they were talking about this. And I wish I could remember his name, but I couldn't. Um, but, you know, one gentleman was really upset because he felt like Brent Musburger went after uh, oh, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, yeah. And, yeah. and he probably did. But then they had him come on and he talked about from his perspective of what the Celtics were trying to do. And it was just interesting hearing both sides of it. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we still have a long way to go and Mm -hmm. we all have to grow as, you know, people. And, you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta respect one another. You gotta work with one another and um, you gotta look out for one another. And, you know, today it's, we got, we got a crazy world today. And 
um, you think it'd be so much easier just to to work with one another and um, it's not for sometimes but yep. we're better but we got a long way to go and yep. you know I think it's our goal as coaches is we want every kid that we coach to be successful and succeed mm-hmm. now is that going to mean you know they're going to have the same accolades and the same points and the same amount of assists no but we want every one of our kids no matter who they are to have success so um, yep. I just think it was interesting listening to that at the end especially with Wahlberg from Boston and Ice Cube from, you know, Los the LA, Los Angeles. So, and then you tie in some of those figures. That's that that was hard to watch, but it's it's also growthful to watch. You mm-hmm. know, it's an opportunity to grow. Yep. Um, the John Wooden, Don Meyer, best coaching advice. G, you want to lead on this one? No, I got nothing there. I mean, you got but, nothing. Well, I mean, like, what are you you looking? What are you looking for? There? You, want, you want me to start? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> um, you got to be able to coach your best player hard to be successful. So, like, you know, kind of going back to that Kareem story, who's yeah. the guy that got ripped the worst after that game one in 85? It was at the Memorial Day Massacre game, I think. You know, you know, Riley lays into Kareem, who's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, and Kareem took it, and he knew that he wasn't playing up to his level and so forth and so on. Uh, now, that being said, you also can't, make your best player too mad you got to be able to build that trust up with that kid like paul westhead got fired because he made magic johnson mad you know bill fitch burned out bird and McHale and those guys by being on them all the time so it's it's a fine line but i I, you got to be able to coach your best players effectively and if you can coach your best players effectively the rest of the team's gonna fall in place you know and and that doesn't mean you're gonna win a state championship but just you're gonna have a good year if you can coach your best players effectively so How's that okay. for a starter? That, that's fantastic. It'll be okay. tough to follow, but I'll give it a shot. Go, G, um, go. You know, with Don Meyer, you know, like the the, the effort effort is a choice. Um, you know, in, in, in talking about that. And so I think back to maybe it was 1984 after game two or three where uh, Larry Bird referred to his teammates as sissies. We played like sissies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then they came out and, and responded. Um responded to that and so um that might be one where you know but i I really like your point about like being able to coach your best player hard Mm -hmm. because sometimes you know like especially for me when i was a younger coach uh that might have been tough i did it but i was always like thinking to myself okay what's gonna happen now (laughs) you know so that that's always been something that's uh that i've that i've thought about Mm -hmm. so all right uh from a coaching standpoint i thought both Casey Jones and, and uh, Riley were just magicians in coaching each each individual to the best. Mm-hmm. They brought out their best in each individual, which ultimately brought out the best in their team. And and each one of those things, I'm sure, like our kids, is different. Mm-hmm. Jimmy needs something than Johnny, and Johnny needs something than Billy, and all that stuff. And those guys, uh, you know, they could exit in a way. Obviously, they they but you watch them; they run good stuff, whatever. But it's more motivational, and mm-hmm. I took that's what I took from that is, from, into my coaching is, you know, connecting with each player, making that player perform at their best. What do they need? They need rest. Do they need a kick in the butt? Do they need what do they need? And so, those guys, if you watch watch those guys coach, that's what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. motivating those great players 
Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of relationship building in the background. I'm sure there's a ton of hours of work to get to that point. Yeah. But uh, that's what I enjoy watching when I go back and watch YouTubes of it today. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. How about you, Josh? I I, I agree. Um, I I think it's there's a lot that you don't see with um, the relationship building with coaches and players and understanding your players and and how you coach them and. You know, I I think you know I think both coaches did a great job of knowing how to push the buttons for for their players, whether it was Bird or Magic or Cooper and you know Ainge. It's you know every player is different, and and there's certain things you can do for one that you can't do for the other. And um, but ultimately, I think it goes back that if if you coach your best player the hardest, um, then I think the rest of the team's going to fall in line because. If you let your best player get away with things and you don't demand things from them, then that's also going to show people they can get away with things. And um, I think that's the thing that I take with what I do. You know, I, I try to I try to understand each player, knowing that some kids it's an arm around them. Some kids you can get after them pretty good, but um, they're all going to respond differently. Yep. Anything else on that one, fellas? Nope. Best lines. Best lines, Josh. You want to get started with this one, or <laughs> I got a I got a laundry list. I got quite a few of them here. So, um. uh, best line in that whole thing, well, it'd be probably the fact that uh, when uh, Magic said that when he was asked if he was gonna feel sorry for Larry Bird that he lost, and he was like, "Hell no!" Yeah, he's like, "I'm gonna rejoice and be happy about it." Mm-hmm. Um, that that was pretty funny. Um, and I, I said the one about this Byron Scott talking about how Larry was talking so much crap on the court, telling him what they were going to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to curl here. I'm going to be in the corner. And he did, and he made the shot. So um, just just hearing some of those yeah. stories I think is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought there were times where Larry was pretty funny with some of his remarks with the press. Yeah. Um, you know, he won his third MVP he said, you know, I think I'm good enough that if I stay healthy and work hard this summer, I can win my fourth. Yeah. Uh, just stuff like that. I Hearing those guys say that, I think I get a kick out of that. Yeah. Well. Mine's not lines, but it's two stories. One, in 87, Magic hits the jump hook. And this, I think this is where you're, you were alluding to. Riley tells how they're in the huddle. Larry's going to do this. we got to stop Larry. we got to do this. Larry's going to get this shot, blah, 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 blah. And he runs a little baseline screen action or whatever, and lo and behold, there's there he is, straight on, and he shoots that corner jumper, misses, but by, he'll, that, by that much, much, and he'll he'll tell you, and he tells you in the story, that thing was pure off his hand. He thought it was he thought it was in, and uh, of course it misses it. That's the first one. The second one was uh, the whole story about how they absolutely hated each other until they do the Converse commercial. Yep, and and uh, Mama Johnson bake some food and next thing you know that you know that kind of changes it all around for him i thought that was uh a a poignant moment on how you know one thing between two people can maybe change things for a lifetime and riley was pissed at magic oh yeah doing that he didn't want him to lose his edge against larry you know he he didn't he was he was not thrilled with that so gee what do you got here well, I don't have anything specific. I just thought ML Carr was hilarious throughout most of the thing. I, you know, the way that he was the towel you know, waver, yeah, and just just running his mouth all the time and chirping over there. And you know, um, you know, Coach Lukey said it earlier. You know, with with knowing and accepting your role, 
and, and that was his role, He'd run his mouth, and Cedric Maxwell, those guys would run their mouths, and, you know, so many of the things that you saw, like, as far as, like, when they were playing, and the things that they were saying and doing with the choke signs. I mean, guys nowadays probably get Johnson. ejected or arrested for, yeah. for, for <laughs> oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, like the amazing yeah. thing is that is when Kevin McHale dropped Kurt Rambis, that was just a foul. Just a common foul. That was yeah. just a common yeah. foul. Common foul. Yeah. It's 40 that, years later, and we're still talking about that, and he clotheslined the guy. Yeah, that, that would have been broken just, down like there's a proven you know, film today. Yeah. yeah. You know, it... it and, uh, and you know, that was just I, that was amazing to me. Yeah. So, oh, it's just a common foul. You guys, okay. you guys, <laughs> you guys remember it was it was had to be like eighty seven or eighty eight, and it was I think it had to be eighty seven, and Lame Beer had clocked Larry Bird the game before, mm-hmm. and and if you watch it, Bird takes the ball and just chucks it at mm-hmm. Lame Beer, and then the next game Lame Beer did something, and Robert Parrish went freaking. Bruce Lee, House of the Dragon, just boom, 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 pops him like three times in a row. Ah, two shots, <laughs> two shots. <laughs> you know, so uh, that that's part of my one of my storylines here. So, um, so some of the quotes that I picked out. Um, uh, Mark Wahlberg or Donnie Wahlberg said, "I may have failed history four times, but I knew Celtic history." I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Jerry West, we were talking about Jerry West. G, you were talking about him. Uh, when he finally won a championship, it was a sense of relief, but it never replaced the pain. You know, he talked about that and all the losses they had had to the Celtics. Um, they were talking about the cocaine era and and how the you know again the racism against the the NBA being too black. Right. Um, and I forget who said it. I think it might have been one of the Gumbles. Uh, there were a lot more stockbrokers doing drugs than NBA players. Uh, I thought that was that was funny. Um, I think it was either Cedric or ML Carr said uh, uh, it was, it was, it was, I can't read my own handwriting now. It was easy being a black guy on a white team or something like that. I, 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 I can't read that exactly, so I, I, I apologize. Tragic Johnson, um, Curtis Rowe, there's no W's or L's on your paycheck, uh, so don't worry about that. Um <laughs> They wanted Larry Bird to be a combination of John Havlicek and Jesus. Uh, that was the expectation for him coming into uh, to uh, to uh, Boston. Uh, one of the one of the Laker or one of the Celtics fans uh, coming in. I think it was coming into Game Six in '85. Uh, the Lakers only have two chances left, slim and none. I thought that was I thought that was pretty good. I think the two sayings though that come out of this. Um, the two most important things that come out of this whole thing, though, when it comes to the Lions, beat L.A., and the NBA is fantastic. And I, those are two things that Was that that year? We, we those years, on. yeah. Uh, it happened in 82, the, the beat L.A. thing mm-hmm. happened. I think they said Game 7 when the Sixers beat the Celtics in Boston for Game 7, and they were beat L.A., beat L.A., beat, you know, and that's something that reverberated yeah. throughout there. So. Um, you know, I go back. There was one when we talked about hard to watch. Um, how about the Len Bias situation? I had that um, written down and mm-hmm. I forgot to you say know, it. You, you go back and, you know, here's Boston who, you know, everyone's talking about Bird and Ainge. And they they just win the title. They got the best team in the NBA from Boston's point of view. Mm-hmm. And then Bird they, and Bias, come on and try us. And, and then they, <laughs> they trade up to get the second pick. They picked 
Tobias, who's just a tremendous basketball player mm-hmm. from Maryland, and his dream is achieved, and in 36 hours later, yep. it's gone. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it was a sad day for you know a lot of people. I, I still remember just trying to understand what happened with the whole bias thing and mm-hmm. the, you know how he passed out and just watching even when you watch maybe not this series but you go back and you watch the Maryland Terps with Lefty Durdell mm-hmm. and seeing the devastation on that campus yeah. uh, tragic what a yeah. terrible terrible deal yeah well, one of the the, the, the worst storylines is they had this great rivalry and then after 87 that's just that's just it, you know. And if Lynn Bias lives, you know, McHale's foot gives. So if let's say if Lynn Bias is there, McHale doesn't feel his pressure to keep playing on the broken foot. And when Bird's back starts going out, you know, he can rehab that a little bit more because they got in, in theory. And again, you never know. But, you never know. But but well, in I theory, mean, you have that in guy those to teams, take over. That's where you know load loading in the NBA today comes from, right? I mean, those yeah. for that five year stretch, those five Celtics played. Ninety percent of the minutes, the same with the Lakers, and, like, and they K- all just K- Casey Jones down. didn't believe in some, so he thought no, it was like a, I mean, he so thought it was like a soccer match. Ultimately, in, Europe, in '88, you know, those guys broke down, and that yeah. was just the end of it. '88, mm-hmm. '89. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, best storylines, and we covered a few of them. We kind of talked about the the '80s basketball versus the the 2020s basketball. Uh, just the trash talking that went on, the the physicality of the game, and of course the the, the McHale. Uh, clothesline of Rambus is is one thing, but uh, I can't. Do you guys even remember a fight in the NBA this entire year where like a legit? Oh fight? No, 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 no! It's, it's it, belly bumping and pillow fighting. Yeah, was fight. it was it there a, a pretty bad brawl between maybe the Bucks and the Timberwolves? <laughs> no, I, I mean know. those are probably two teams. I mean they both made yeah. the playoffs, but I think there was a pretty big brawl with those two, but not like back in the day with. Yeah. The Celtics, Lakers, or when the bad boys started coming around. Oh, or, yeah. Um, Danny Ainge is running down the floor, and Tree Rollins just freaking brings out one of his tree branches. There were fights all the time. Yeah. Number one basketball shoe in 1985. Uh, Converse. Yep. Converse. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You must have just watched Air Jordan. I did, but I, I also <laughs> do that. Yeah. Hey, hey I, I'm the only one at this table that had the pump. I had the pumps. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had a Reebok pump. I know, I had a Reebok pump. Okay. But I played varsity basketball in Reebok pumps. Well, I didn't do that. <laughs> they allowed Church at Park and Reebok pumps. Church Park. That's right. Down there in South O. There you go. Um, a couple other storylines I really enjoyed. Um, the growth of Pat Riley. Right. Uh, he, you know, it kind of came along as an accident. Like... Uh, you know, right. uh, I was the announcer, and then, like, you know, uh, McKinney, I think, you know, has the bike accident. So Westhead's thrust in there, and they're like, hey, what are you doing? We want to come out and help coach. And then, you know, and, and now, 40 years later, he's the guy that's the mastermind of this great heat run that the that Miami's on, uh, that they're one win away from the, the finals, you know. Which and, the flip side of watching that was with that, uh, was it the, is it Hulu or with the, uh, the Lakers series where they winning time, winning yeah, time. winning time. Yeah, I mean, HBO Max, HBO, HBO. Watching Winning Time, um, and just seeing the whole thing with, with yeah, you wonder, you wonder how much of that's legit. They may have taken some uh, theatrical. Uh, I think liberties. there were some liberties. Yes, <laughs> and if you listen to all te- 
10 episodes that Casey and I did on Winning oh. Time. You would, God, I missed that. Man. Sorry, I'll go back. This is the last podcast we ever hosted. Wine I, so. I got plenty of summertime. I got some windshield time on the uh, AAU girls circuit. There you so. go. Uh, and then, so I, I, I enjoyed that, the, the Pat Riley storyline. Yeah. Um, the Walton comeback. Like I said, the, yeah. every time Mikhail does the Walton impersonation, that just, just <laughs> cracks me up. So, uh, any other storylines? So, mm-hmm. all right. Um, how can this film help you win games? What are what are some things that you saw that that, that this can help you win games? Um, I I I had a few things written down. Um, one of the beautiful things with both teams in different ways, but both teams, the selflessness you have to have to be a, a great team, and and the, yep. the passing, and we're seeing this right now, with, like Jokic. And the way he's passing, this this harkens back to this to this time period, um, and, and they're run, And of course, it's the highlights, you know. But just watching Magic lead the break, or Walton and Bird manipulate things, you know. Any time I see on Twitter or Facebook, uh, here's 90 seconds of Larry Bird just making people look foolish with his passing, <laughs> yeah. you know. I, I gotta watch it, you know. So uh, teaching that self selflessness. Um, Keeping yourself mentally in the game, like they talked about, you know, one of the things that they go into depth with uh, when Mikhail clotheslines Rambus is the Lakers lost mm-hmm. mentally. Yeah, you know, so uh, that's a couple things I had written down. I, I've got a couple more, but I'll open it up to you guys. Well, I, we have in the last three years found new and inventive ways to lose games under two minutes. We might lead the state in under two minute losses, but uh, playing to the end playing every possession, the value of those possessions late in the game. Um, you can see that from those teams. Um, never giving up. Like, And this is the NBA anyway, right? You get out to 18-point leads, and all of a sudden, boom, there's, that's kind of shot clock era kind of thing. But yeah. th- those things, and competitiveness, the desire to, to win yeah. and do what you got to do to win, mm-hmm. those, are, those are all good messages to teams and kids no matter age or, or generation. Yeah, like Riley talked about after that Memorial Day massacre. You know, you gotta you gotta stand your ground. You gotta fight at some point. You know, and, yeah. I, and I know that's in in my current situation that I'm in. You know, trying to teach our kids how to win. Right. You know, you, you, you gotta fight for yourself because nobody else is gonna fight for you. You and gotta I think, fight for yourself. First. I think parents and coaches or parents and kids today also need to value being coached. Know how? No, you know, no, those guys are the best in the world. And being coached and being listening to your coach and implementing those things is very important. Whereas, you know, Celtics today, you know, you, the difference between that series, I'm sorry, is, and I'm a big, huge Celtics fan, it's the coaching, uh-huh. right? So anybody that doesn't think coaching's valuable at a high, high, high level, just look at Eric Spolster and the Heat. Yeah. And that's a good thing. That, I mean, I know we're... Here I am. What is it called? The uh, in-game adjustments. Yeah. This is my in-game no, adjustment number rules. number two. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been. I followed the rules for an hour. I've been yeah, a trend. So. I've been a trendsetter and a rule breaker my whole now. life. Yeah. <laughs> trendsetter, rule breaker. You know, Bad boys for life. Yeah. You got to sure. bust through the bust through the rules sometimes. That's G. right. I did earlier. I got to put in <laughs> place. I, I, I think it's um, and and what you've said and what Thomas said is spot on. But and we talked about this earlier, but. You know, on every team, you have your your top two players or three players. You know, in some cases, like Bell West, they have ten players. But, <laughs> um, but on most high school teams, like for us, it's 
you 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 have to find kids that are willing to accept their roles. Mm-hmm. Everybody I think today wants to be the best player, mm-hmm. and and that's not the case. You have to you have to find people that will accept the roles of a Dennis Johnson, uh, a Jamal Wilkes, mm-hmm. uh, a Michael Cooper, mm-hmm. um, a Danny Ainge that fit into pieces around a bird, a Parrish, a McHale, a Magic, a Kareem, a James yeah. Worthy. And, and it's hard to do that today because everybody wants to showcase their talents. Uh-huh. And I think for me, if, if I was a young kid and I watched that, the ability to compete, both those teams competed to the end, play every possession. Um, they were coachable. Uh-huh. You know, sure, they, they were great players, but they they ran the sets that player that they were asked to run at the end of the game. How many times in a high school game you've coached, I've coached, you draw something up and then they go out and it's like, God, is that what I drew up? <laughs> um, having that selflessness to make the extra pass or be willing to take a charge or just things like that. If I was a kid today watching that, those are things I would take away from it. You know, nowadays everybody wants to be cool. Everybody wants to make the incredible move. Um, I saw a tweet yesterday um, that a guy said, you know, these guys all have skill guru guys, and and I don't want to make anybody mad, but, like, they're working on moves that are never going to work in a game. Like, how many of those moves you work on in a one-on-one session are going to work in a game? Exactly. Tell you a quick story. So my my boy Teddy Allen, who I'm forever linked to, yes. will work out a hundred hours. He'll work out twenty three out of twenty four hours by himself. And so he he and I finally had some budding heads because for the summer before his senior year, I never let him work out alone. I never because you don't play the game alone. Correct. It's important to be able to pass, dribble, and shoot. That's no question. But you there's also a we all know that decision making mm-hmm. and vision and feel and all those things are import- as important um, but to the to the guru guys right you can only dribble around so many cones yeah. before yeah. you've you've mastered that skill now let's implement it into a situation where you got to make some some decisions yeah so yeah. i mean you look at how many kids can pass the way Magic or any of those teams could oh. back in the day. Even Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, those type of teams. It's sometimes it's hard to watch kids pass. You know, yeah. well, because and again, let's you know, we've all beat this drum before. We as adults, in some ways, have screwed it up for kids because everything's so ultra organized. You know, you you know, Larry Bird used to go. I mean, and all you know, we we did it. You know, what park were you playing at, G? With your Reebok pumps. He was keeping score. Yeah, he was keeping score. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Church's Park, I was on the court. I'm like, okay, all right. right. I never saw it. Now, as Coach Hawk would say, you know, that helped me to be able to score, (laughs) but I couldn't play because I couldn't, quote, guard a freaking door. (laughs) So we didn't play a lot of defense down there. Yeah. But could could you imagine, like, you, you look at, like, you grew up at Church's Park. Yeah, right by St. Thomas More. Where I yeah. lived, there was Orchard Park, mm-hmm. and there's hundreds of stories of guys that right. have played at Orchard Park. You go down and you drive down Ames Street, and there's Fontenelle Park, uh-huh. and, and mm-hmm. I don't even know if the courts are there anymore. And then you go down on 24th, and they have the courts right across, right off of 24th, I think, in Lake area. Yeah. Like, you don't see a lot of kids on the courts just playing and competing. Yeah. It's... Yeah. 
in a gym and it's one-on-one and then all of a sudden you try to take that and you put them into a five-on-five setting and it's hard to do yeah 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 so yeah i mean i used to drive around all the time and just try to find you never came up to orchard park i I never i never i would just try to no no i mean i drive (laughs) i think you saw him coming different places and uh, i just i would have played anybody anytime yeah just wanted to play at what age do those pumps get stolen well, I don't know. It's probably about <laughs> 17. You know, the the other thing with that that's interesting is you look back on it, and those things were super heavy. They probably oh, held no, you on the they're the ground. worst basketball shoe ever. <laughs> they helped you get off all, the ground. All it did was build those up. Those things were like ankle weights. Yeah, all it did was build up my calf. That's all it did. Yeah, that it was be like worst. walking around with a pair of strength <laughs> shoes. Worst shoes, worst shoes going Remember to those? Those Somehow G. Brown won a dunk oh, the contest. White strength shoes where oh, yeah. you walk on your oh, toes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the plyo shoes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Another Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy's mad at George. <laughs> uh, gee, what do you got on this one here? Well, I mean, uh, the, the things that I was thinking about, I mean, uh, number one thing was what Coach Lukey was talking about with just, um, uh, you know, sitting with, with, with young people and trying to get them to buy into a role mm-hmm. is one of the – uh, biggest challenges I, I've had coaching, and so um, you know I've evolved over the. I, I, when I was younger, I was very poor, very poor with this, and I just kind of thought, well, they know what their role is, and then I went to talking to them, and then I went to assigning each kid to an assistant coach, um, and making sure that we you know visit with them on a regular basis. Um, so that we're continually talking to them about their roles and how their role can change. And so, you know, I think of like, you know, Magic Johnson, you know, starting at center, you know, in that game and probably never played center, you know, in the game, you know, but it's just like this folklore that he, you know, oh my God, he's started at center. Um, And then I think of like, um, you know, Kevin McHale coming off the bench and I'm thinking like, this guy's a Hall of Famer coming off the bench. You know, you're an average like high school four player. years. He came you off know, the bench. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. an average high school girl. Like you can come off the bench. You know, and so I think that there's a lot of stuff with with that. Like you know, if you sit, if if kids were watching this, you know, like um, I just think the 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 idea of like be you know like it, it, it's coaching talk, but I mean like these guys literally were stars in their role, and we oh. say that oh, be a star in your role, be a star in your role. They were. I mean, like, and they thrived in it. Now, maybe they didn't like it. Maybe they, you know, but you couldn't tell. Yeah. Like, they didn't go out there and pout, you know. Uh, Cedric and, Maxwell kind of pouted a little well, bit. Well, and then they shipped him off to they the shipped Clippers. Him off. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, uh, also known as Siberia. But, but could you yeah. imagine? At the time. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You're asking, we all are asking our young people to fit these roles. But then, you know, they go home and, mm-hmm. you know, now you look at back at the NBA I mean, how many people do you think were in Larry Bird's ear or Magic Johnson's ear yeah. or Akeem Olajuwon's ear or Isaiah Thomas? There are probably one or two people that they associated with. Now it's kids got oh. ten people they're listening to, and I don't think they know right from left because they have so many different coaches that are trying to get them to play a certain way or, mm-hmm. you know, well, he's not using you the right way, and you really should be used this way. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, like, we're all high school coaches, and our job is to try and put the best five people on the floor that help us win. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do that if you can find people that buy into roles and people that buy into team play. 
you know, it's it's hard to have you know five individuals and win games. Sure. I mean, there's been a lot of talented teams we've played that probably could have won state, could have won a lot of games, but because they didn't play well together, they didn't uh, win. Yeah, we we I've used the line a lot. We're not playing. We're not playing five games of one on one. We're playing one game of five on five. Yeah, and so and I'm not trying to talk negative, and people get mad at me when I I talk about you know the, the gurus or AAU. Like I have no problem with the gurus or AAU, but it's like at some point people have to respect what the high school coaches have to deal with on a regular basis because we have a lot that we have to deal with. Uh-huh. We have to fix a lot of things. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think that's tough. Yeah. yeah. How many of our kids can even watch this? Because of the length of it. <laughs> there, there, there's no they chance. There's not a they chance. They would struggle with episode they would, one. They would struggle. <laughs> episode one is for I'd, a diehard. Yeah, I would, there, there's no way I could put my team in a film room and watch this. I'd be Oh, sure. They'd be snoring in 10 minutes. It would have to be cut up in 1,000 shorts. <laughs> yeah, it would. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. It would. It'd be, yeah. you know. 1,000 TikToks. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but no. that, so I, that's, you know, obviously the downside of having young people learn all this stuff is it, it's it, it's just too long for them. This yeah. thing this thing's an adult yeah. 40s, 50s, 60-year-old thing. Yeah. Um, um, oh, great stuff, guys. Uh, anything... Anything else there? Um, first question for the post game press conference. Any any questions that you, that you have for you know anything you would have done differently? Questions you have about the movie, uh, so forth and so on. I only have one thing that I wish they would have done differently, but I'll I'll open up the floor to you guys first before I throw it out there. I wish you would have shortened it, just for the for the younger generation. Yeah. That's my well, thing. Well. Well, I was already chastised for it earlier, but uh, just not just uh, omitting uh, Jerry West winning that MVP for a losing yeah. team in the finals. Yeah, Josh. I, I mean, I think shortening it would have been probably a little bit better. It, I mean, it was great. It was yeah, probably too long, but sure. Um, you know, maybe maybe at the end they didn't really do this, but transitioned to to, to you know how. How it ended with the Pistons kind of taking over Pistons the Pistons and the Bulls kind of took it from yeah team, from you know. the Celtics yeah. and you know and you look at those two teams the the Pistons and the the Bulls and I mean they're not that much different than what the Celtics did yeah they had their star players yeah. they had their role players yep. they both were physical it wasn't like they both got up and down Detroit didn't get up and down as much as you know L.A. but I just think the Eastern Conference was a lot tougher back then. Sure. Oh, um, agreed. Agreed. I mean, you had to go through the Sixers too. I mean, and that was my one. That was my one thing. I wish they would have had two or three minutes. Like, you know, we were really good. Celtics were good. Lakers were great. Lakers were great. Celtics were great. Philadelphia 76ers were really stinking good during yeah, this time period too. as well. You know, and and I, I, I know it's a Lakers Celtics centric story, but I, I would have liked to have seen. Something, whatever that is, on Andrew Tony, the Boston yeah. Strangler, and Dr. J, and and Mo Cheeks, and Moses Malone coming in in '83, and and I mean, think about know. those that Sixers team you just mentioned, Mo Cheeks, oh, yeah. Andrew Tony. Oh, uh, great. I mean, how good great. are they? Oh, 80, 
82, 83, 82, 83, 83. 83. Lost in 82, 1 in 83. Yeah, that's when that's they, right. Moses came in for the 82, 83 season. Yeah. So, yeah. so. You know what I miss? I miss posters. Yeah. Like, like I used to have George Gervin <laughs> poster. Yeah. You know, I'd have a bird over there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, kids don't have posters in their rooms anymore. In like my that. classroom, I <laughs> bought a Michael Jordan poster when I was like in eighth grade. And, and he's going up for his uh, free throw line dunk, uh-huh. you know. And, and he's got a. He's got the moon. They superimpose the moon in his hand instead of the basketball. And it says like space on it. I still I have it hanging up in my classroom yet. That's today, awesome. So, so, all right, we're gonna skip some categories here. We're gonna do something a little bit different. A little gimmick here, G. All right. And I set this out here. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear you and Tom argue over this. This is gonna be a inter- entertaining. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I probably won't argue much with it. Okay. All right. So you know, he... we, we're gonna see because I don't think there's too much here with the questions not too much with the in-game adjustments dnp cds should there have been not anybody in this movie ah, you know all of that i think we're really really good so i came up with this idea as i was watching this this afternoon we're gonna have a draft we're gonna have a draft here tonight and what we're going to do is i, I picked out 10 players from each franchise during this time period so 20 players apiece and we're going to have TK and G Incorporated. And Ludke and I are going to put them to shame here with okay. our team with our team building process here. And we are going to draft our teams here between the, the two great teams and, and who, uh, who can come up with the better team. Um, so, um, for the Lakers, here's the 10 eligible players. And I, I gave you guys this list here, but just for our listeners so they know. We've got Kareem, Magic, Worthy, Norm Nixon, Byron Scott, Bob McAdoo, uh, Jamal Wilkes, Michael Cooper, Michael Thompson, who was not put in there. I, I was disappointed they didn't have Michael Thompson in there because he was a big part of that yeah, 87 yeah. team. So, hmm. and Kurt Rambis. So the, I, I got ten Lakers there, right? Didn't I, guys? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Is there, is there anybody else that I should have in there for the Lakers that you can think of from this time period? Mark Landsberger? No? Uh, uh, I thought about A.C. Green, but Rambus was there longer than A.C. Green. Rambus was there for the teeth of all this. Yeah, but, I mean, A.C. Green was a... I mean, he did things that no other player wanted to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd kind of throw him in there a little bit. I mean, he's kind of on that then we, bubble. Then we have to come up with one other Celtic, then. Another Celtic? Yeah, because I want to keep it. We're not going to bounce a Laker. Oh, we, well, you want to bounce a Laker? Is no, no let's, ca- let's come out with it. Let's just add AC Green and okay. add ML Carr. <laughs> well, I had ML Carr on oh, the Oh, you do? List. I yeah. see. I can't read. Yeah. My prep education. Okay. Um, well, we didn't want to say anything, but uh, Bird, McHale, Parrish, Dennis Johnson, oh, Danny I don't Ainge. see ML. I don't see. Did, did, I, did I not put ML on? No, there? he's not on there. Okay, sorry. Or, my fault. Or we could add. So I was right. So prep did pay off for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Okay. Um, or okay. we could add Jerry, uh, I say his name wrong, Sitchi. Sheesting? Sheesting. Sheesting. S-I-C-H-T-I-N-G. Okay, so we're going to add Jerry Sheesting. And A.C. Green. And A.C. Green. So we're going to have two teams of 11. There's going to be an AAU parent that's going to be really upset because we got 11 kids on the team. So, Most AAU teams probably want eight. Yeah, eight or nine. Um Nine at the most. Uh, so for the Celtics, we got Bird, McHale, Parrish, DJ, Danny Ainge, Bill Walton. But 
1986 version of Bill Walton. That's the caveat with that. Okay, so it's got to be the 86 version of Walton. Uh, Nate Archibald, uh, Cornbread Maxwell, Scott Wedman, like Michael Thompson, should have been in there because he was a key, he was a key cog to those Celtics teams. Uh, ML Carr and Jerry Seesting. I, I can say it right in my head, but I can't yes. say it right here. So, all right. So let's let's go. So we're gonna snake it. So. Uh, we're gonna have the two prep guys go rock paper scissors for first pick. So, whoever gets first pick, the other side gets two three. Okay. And then when it goes back, the other the other group gets four five. Okay. You, TK, you don't look like you have a lot of confidence in, in G to be able to win this here. <laughs> I. Hey, is it one two three? I'm the general manager of this thing. Three. Yeah, on the okay. third one. On the fourth. one right. two. Three on the third one. No, I'd say one, one two, three, boom. So okay. On the okay. On the okay. fourth one. All right. At the okay. end of this, I'll tell you how G. I'll give you a story about how G forever traumatized me as a coach. <laughs> that's why. I don't, that's, that's that's a good thing my computer has a lot right. of memory. Because, you know. That's all right. Just like the Celtics and Lakers yep. pushed each other yeah, to be exactly. great. That's what I was trying. All to right. Do. All right. All right. Okay. So here we go. One, two. This is great podcasting. Yes, yes. yes. Scissors, cut G paper. beat me. G beat me. That's all right. That's the only you know. time that it would ever happen. All right. So uh, the TKG team has the first pick of the draft here. <sighs> Who do you want? Well, can we have so four let minutes me ask to you talk this. about so it? So are we talk, what, what, what version of Kareem are we getting? Are we getting game one, 38-year-old Kareem? Or are You're we getting, getting 85. I think that's a fair point. The 85. Right smack dab in the middle. 85. The 85 version. Bird. Okay. Larry Bird. Wow. You took We're going Bird. Bird. All right. So we got two and three. We got two. Okay. So <laughs> you guys have Bird. So we got two and three, Josh. Well, it's no brainer. We got to take Magic. I think we got to take Magic. See now. Okay. <laughs> I have I have my opinions on who would be your vote for our other one. Uh, my vote on the other one. Hmm. Do you want me to tell the G story while you guys think about no, this? No, pick no, you gotta way? let us concentrate here. You gotta let no. us concentrate. No, no, no one cares about that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll probably get made fun of this, but I, I kind of would take Mikhail. That was my thought as well. I would take Mikhail. All right. Yep. I'll we're take taking Mikhail. We're taking Mikhail. We're taking Mikhail. Just found a way to get it done. Yep. Right. So we yep. gotta go Kareem. I mean, Kareem. Okay, eighty-five so you, Kareem. You got eighty-five Kareem. Then come on, James Worthy's the next best player on the board. Is that what you're doing, G? Is that what you want? Yeah, we'll go. That's uh, James. Now, which version of James Worthy are we getting? Are we getting the James Worthy that was dominated by Cedric Maxwell? We got, we're getting the James 85. Worthy. We're getting the James Worthy the night after the hotel incident. He's, so he's motivated to play. <laughs> that was a little later. That was like '91. That was like '91. So, all right. So, uh, these are PG podcasts, aren't they? I yes, they are. PG Sorry, that's okay. Sorry. Right. Right. I mean, I have my thought next. Okay. What do you What are you thinking? I mean. I'd probably go Parrish. That's what I was thinking. All right, so we're going to take Parrish. And then... I'm going to say either 
Byron Scott or DJ, but I think at this time period, I think DJ was better. Plus, we take the two point guards, which handicaps their team. Well, I, I, I would go with DJ because okay. I think, yep. uh, obviously, Magic can play a lot of different roles, but yep. he's so good in transition. Yep. But if we had to move Magic around, DJ's capable enough to run the point. Plus, we can put DJ on the other team's best guard. Yep. Yep. So, we're taking DJ. All right. Who you got, Coach Craven? I don't even know who's on the board. For the love of God. God. You could take uh, Norm Nixon. You could take Byron Scott. Is that Elgin Baylor over there drafting? Jamal Wilkes, Michael (laughs) Cooper, (laughs) Michael Thompson. What was that name of that park over in St. Thomas More? We want the Churchage. G of we want the Churchage G. You could take Ainge. Oh we got Ainge. You could just be an annoying guy. Yeah. We need a uh, You got Walton from eighty six. No, you need a guard, G. Archibald, you got an eight tiny. Yard. Yeah, Gerald tiny. Anderson. We want tiny. You want okay. Archibald? Okay, you got Archibald. Tiny could play. You got one more pick. Uh, Byron Scott. Need a two. Okay. Need yourself a two. Okay. Right. And I didn't want to be a homer and take the age. Mm. Oh. Care about that. I have I have my thoughts. Go ahead. What do you think? I'm thinking prime. Well we got our we got our backcourt set. We kinda need a wing. Um I think I think um Jamal Wilkes. Jamal Wilkes can, can space the floor a little bit more, uh, you know, with the slingshot jumper from behind the head. Yeah. You want to go that route? I was thinking him or uh, Cooper maybe. How about we go both? We have both picks. We got both. We can go Wilkes and okay, Cooper. Okay, we're going How Wilkes long this? We got five. How many do we need? We're ten. Well, you you got to have ten. Two guys are not going to make the the cut here. We're, we're not going to put the AAU coach in a bad position. So we've got six. We got, you got five. Yep. You got your boy Ainge still on the board. Yep. Let's go, Walt. I'd say Ainge and Norm Nixon. Oh, okay. What do you? Th- I mean, that's fine. I forgot that. Norm. Okay. I like Norm in the. Norm Nixon could. I know. Fill I, it like, up. I like yeah. Norm in the Winning Time show. Right. Yeah, that's isn't it? That his son that plays him fill on it that up. show. I I, I'm pretty sure it is. is it? So. Is it? Um, I wish we could get Sam Jones in that sweet <laughs> bank shot. <Yeah. laughs> I, I really think that we, if, if in prime situation here, it's got it's got to be. We got to take Wall. It's got to be Wall. We got to take Wall. It's yes. a horrible pick. Why? <laughs> I mean, for one year. For one year. One year. For one year. I'm doing version, my. Horrible. Oh, okay. you're doing your. You're doing your. Uh, I'm not doing Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, the hard, hard wall will be the next one. So, who's on the board? Um, we got Cooper. We got Wilkes. We got Bird, McHale, Paris, DJ. How about, how about Bob McAdoo? That's probably... Former scoring champ. Yeah, probably have to go back to Take back to yeah. We Oh, you're going... Oh, it's your pick. Yeah, we took oh, McAdoo. Shit. All right. Yeah. Uh, is... Uh, you got Wedman. Is, is Cornbread still yep. there? Cornbread's still we'll out take there. Take Cornbread. He's the best player available. 
Are we not at ten yet? To <laughs> you got Rambus. You want Rambus? You want go to... Rambus, or you could go Gerald Henderson? Go you got Rambus. Da- you got Danny Ainge. We're going. We're going big. All right. You going Rambo? Yeah. We talked about it. we drafted Ainge five minutes ago. You did? Yeah, they did. They got Ainge. Oh, uh, you did. So there they got is, Bird, sorry. Kareem, Worthy, Archibald, Scott, Nixon, Ainge. Maxwell and Rambus. Rambus, okay. We got Johnson, McHale, Paris, DJ, Wilkes, Cooper, Walton, and McAdoo. Um, Got to be Henderson and uh, Wedman, right? <laughs> I, I think I think that's probably it. Because Wedman is a guy that doesn't need to play a lot but can be instant offense. Unless we want AC Green. Magic did try to corrupt AC Green and he didn't fall for it. So I, I would say Wedman and and we don't. Re- yeah, I think Gerald Henderson because other okay. than Cooper, we really don't have any perimeter play coming off the bench. All right, so we'll take Henderson, which means they get uh, AC Green. One, two, three, four, five. We're at ten, so you got one pick left. You have you have between AC Green, Sitching. Jerry Sheesting. <laughs> did you get nobody took ML Carr, did they? No one took oh, Jerry. Got to take Gerald Henderson. Yeah, we, we, we just, just took Gerald Henderson. So yeah, Michael Thompson, AC Green, ML Carr, Jerry Sheesting. I think Michael Thompson. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. So now, now how do we decide who wins this battle? Well, it's pretty simple. I run the podcast. We win. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> The cost of joking, what you're so. drinking just tripled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bird. So you guys had Bird, Kareem, Worthy, Nate Archibald, Byron Scott. That's probably your starting five, right? Versus our starting five of Magic, McHale, Parrish, oh DJ, and Jamal Wilkes. You would need you would need Coach Shashevsky times ten to get these dudes to play together. <laughs> well, that's After, true. <laughs> unless well, this Chuck is all Daly. Pre- Oh, Chuck Daly, Chuck yeah, Daly good can point. Do it. Chuck good Daly can do it. And then off the bench, you had Nixon, Ainge, Maxwell, Rambus, and Michael Thompson. <laughs> we had Michael Cooper, Bill Walton, McAdoo, Wedman, and Gerald Henderson. I like our team. It's a good team. I like our team. <laughs> I, I now, now, the question would be, let's say you could take one person off the team and replace it with somebody from the Pistons. Who would it be? I hate the Pistons. <laughs> I hate them all. I, I got one you, guy on the Pistons. I like maybe the Pistons maybe Dumars, maybe Vinny <laughs> Johnson. Joe Dumars. Joe Dumars. I, Vinny I, I Johnson. Say Joe Dumars. You didn't oh, like I, watching the Pistons just be bad them. boys. No, I couldn't. Nah, no. <laughs> Who's better, Tiny Archibald or Isaiah Thomas? Isaiah Who'd Thomas. You take? Oh. Isaiah Thomas. There you go. Doesn't mean I like him. It's not a popularity contest. You're trying to win a basketball. Okay, if you could take somebody off the Sixers and put them on one of these teams, who are you taking? Oh, Dr. J for sure. Uh, we could take Moses Malone out for Robert Parrish. Good. D- Dr. Dr. J was. Yeah. He's a top uh, fifty player all time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He was good. He would. Yeah. He, he was good. So, I just thought that would be fun to do. Uh, you there know, you on, on the whole thing. So, who? Gets the game ball. Who gets the game ball for oh. for the for the no for for the, the whole, whole for, the, for the documentary? Who gets the game? Who's the most valuable? Painful as it is for me to say, I think Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. Why is that, Tom? 
What's that? Why? Uh, the big clutch shots that he's hit throughout the course of this history. Um, the competitiveness, stepping up, playing different positions when team needs it, making other team, other your your teammates better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think all of it. Now, Birds are obviously a close, very, very close second. Mm-hmm. So, Magic has the. It's kind of like the Jordan versus LeBron debate. Yeah. The one thing that Magic does have is the extended career on Bird. Well, Bird had about no, eight great. End of, the, end of the day, as much as I'm a huge homer for the Celtics, it's five three with those two. Mm-hmm. So I mean, plus the NCAA game, you can't six so three. Yeah, you can't argue. And I and I, you know, I think Bird would probably say the same thing if he's sitting in G spot. You know, I mean, he'd tell you. <laughs> I thought that was Larry Bird sitting there. <laughs> He'd tell you five, maybe from the corner. Five three, five three chumps at all, right? Yeah, five yeah. three chumps at all. Yep. Who's got your game ball, G? I would agree and say Magic Johnson. I just, you know, he's got so much charisma and he's just so enjoyable to listen to. Uh, you know, tell those stories, and uh, I just found myself really enjoying listening to him. Uh, relive those moments, and I was laughing, and mm-hmm. I was just like, man, this—he's just—you can just kind of tell like Tom said that he's just so positive and his um, his competitiveness is, I think is just infectious mm-hmm. and you can like feel that through the documentary yep yep Josh who's got your game ball I uh, I mean I'm I think Magic Johnson he just he does too many things and he can versatile and he can play so many different positions and mm-hmm. Just the way he got others, he made others better, mm-hmm. and the way he would get out and push the break, and just so talented. And I mean, Larry Bird is so good, but I mean, he he's not going to get out and run the break like Magic. And I mean, I think Larry defended good, but Magic was a great defender. His length, he could guard all five spots. Just too yeah. much, too good. I'll, I'll tell you a personal story on Magic Johnson. So. 1992. Listen to this. No, guy. no, it's not. I met him. It's, oh, it's, oh, I, wow. I, I think oh, you'll oh. find this amazing. Okay. I think we all will applaud and find this amazing. I, I think it was 1992. I'm, I'm at I, University of Iowa, sitting in my apartment, watching the news conference that he's retiring and has AIDS. Uh, 91. 91. 91. Okay. So I'm still at Iowa. Still doing all this stuff. Uh, I sat there as a as a you know as a college athlete. I was an athlete then for Iowa for for another sport, and sitting there going, "That's a death sentence." Yep. Like that, yep. he's going to be dead in five to ten years. This yep. is 1991. Yes, exactly. And he's it's 2023, and we're 32 years later, and we're yep. and he's still alive. He's still healthy yep. as he can be. He's yep. living a been a tremendous American icon, almost a billionaire. I think that's yep. I think that's an amazing personal yeah. story is it just it just you know I sat there I remember sitting there that guy's going to be dead in 10 years and, yeah. the, and all the things that have happened in that in that uh, in that spectrum of, of AIDS research and whatever yeah. whatever whatever kept him alive and healthy G was talking about Medgar Evers and, and we, oh, yeah. we, we were we just talked about that the last couple of weeks of school you know AIDS in general yeah, yeah. and and uh, yeah I, I told I told my students, I tell my students every year, me and my friends thought we were going to watch Magic Johnson just wither away and die because that's what happened to people who had AIDS in the eighties and the nineties, you know? And, and, uh, so the, the earth shaking announcement with that, and all of us lived through that, you know, so we remember it firsthand, but that was, 
that was something that you, you just can't. One of the biggest sports stories. Ever. Yeah. yeah. So on the ever. tail end of all of this, you got this, and it ends his career for a while, and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And he's still alive. He outlives. He outlives Kobe Bryant. Yeah. That's just amazing. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah. So, and yeah. he still looks like he could play. I yeah, mean, he he's does. A physical <laughs> specimen. He's not well, just surviving. You don't I think mean, we yes. can look like we can play? <laughs> <laughs> you guys. <play. laughs> I mean, that's I you, you, you might I be playing, play. but we're yeah. gonna call an ambulance. Yeah, exactly. that, that's probably one of the biggest sports stories. That when people sit back and they talk about where were you when yep. this happens, yep. that's yeah. one of the top stories you think about. Sure. Yeah. And and there's several that you could mention in there, but like that is one of the top ones ever. Yeah. Um, and it just stunned everybody. It's like holy cow! Like, are you serious? Yeah. Um, and yep. agree with Tom. Like, I think people anticipated to watch him wither away and and shoot. He's still still doing his thing and. Part owner of the Dodgers and yeah, yeah. helping out in some capacity with the Lakers. Kind yeah. of that that changes about every three days. What his exact role is? <laughs> Big supporter so, yeah. of the Michigan Spartan, Michigan State Spartans, yeah, and, yeah. Um, just really giving back to to the communities. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I zigged a little bit on this one. I gave the game ball to sports hate. Sports hate. Yeah. The, the rivalry of the Celtics and the Lakers. A gave new birth to the NBA. It's, it's like we, we had talked about. What we have today, it was it was hate, but it was healthy hate. It was a respectful hate, but it, there was, without a doubt, there was hate involved with the, with the two teams. And I, and I think uh, y- y- Lakers-Celtics, Yankees-Dodgers, uh, Iowa-Iowa State, the greatest rivalries that, that we have. Okay, I'm just seeing if, any, okay, seeing if anybody's <laughs> seen that with a straight face, so... I started laughing. Duke, yeah. North Carolina. Duke, North Carolina. Carolina Ohio yeah. State, Michigan. You know, that type of thing. Um, and and it's it's okay to have some sports hate. That's what makes sports awesome. You know, in, in the last few years, we finally had that rekindled a little bit with uh, the Warriors and the Cavaliers, LeBron versus Steph. And that kind of sports hate that was there for those four years when – we were very confident those were the, four, the two teams that were going to line up in the finals for four straight years. So I, I thought that's the, the, you know, the title I think is pretty awesome. The best of enemies. The Lakers would not, I mean, think about it. You know, we all remember when the Rockets won in 86. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah, like, okay, it's not the Lakers and the Celtics, though. It's, it's the NBA Finals, but the Celtics aren't going to lose to the Rockets. Are you kidding me? That's not going to happen, you know, and especially from that 84 to 87 Time period there, there was just nothing like it in, in basketball. So I, I think that was I think that was really good. And, and so that was my that's who I give the game ball to for sure for, for this one. So I hope that I hope that makes sense. So anything else to add, guys? Overall grade, overall grade. Put on your Siskel and Ebert hat, Josh. A to F. What are you giving this here? I th- I think because of everything that that series stood for, it's an A. I mean, not just basketball, not just the hate between each other, the culture issues, um, all that stuff. I think I think it's a it's a great learning document to to kind of understand that time. Mm-hmm. So I'd say A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think any basketball person is going to give it an A. It was well done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I A. Yeah. G. I'd say yeah, A A minus somewhere in there. I thought the first episode was a little bit too long and drawn out for yeah. some people. I enjoyed it, but. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't want to speak out of turn without, you know, follow the rules. But, um, <laughs> you know, some I, ice cube, How many demerits ice cube did you get in prep? Out. 
How many? A lot. Okay. All right. A lot. Okay. Ice Cube wore me out. Okay. Ice Cube wore me out a little bit, but you know he he was doing he did fine. Yeah. But uh, I would say yeah, A A minus. Yeah. I gave it an A. Thought it was awesome. Um, really good. I, I think as I'm going through these this year, I thought last year for the film room, the feature films kind of outpaced the documentaries that we did. And I think with the doc, I, I feel like kind of right now the documentaries are outpacing the the feature films and their in their quality and that type of stuff. And we got we got a lot of good stuff lined up. So, uh, uh, but I love this again. I'm a basketball guy. We're we're all basketball. We can sit. We could we we were more than capable of sitting there for four four and a half hours and watching this through and not be absolutely really bored for for I loved really it at all. So, um, anything else to add on this, fellas? Anything else? Nope. Go watch. Go watch. Winning time. Air, yeah. yeah. What else is a good basketball? Uh, winning time. I, like, I mean, I enjoyed Winning Time, and I just watched Air with my son the other day. Yeah, and I good. thought that was, was really, really good. Really obviously, good. the Jordan, obviously the Jordan documentary, and yeah. the and the Redeemed Team. Those are all very good basketball yeah. for the basketball people that are out there. Yeah. I'm sure everybody's watched it. But. Yeah. I mean, do you when do you when you watch the uh, the, 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 the when you watch the Lakers Celtics, do you compare it with? You know the 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 hatred of North Carolina Duke documentary. It's right there. It's got to be. It's got to be right there. I mean, and, and what made it even better is they only played twice in the regular season. So you had yeah. this, you had this big old buildup. It's kind of like when when the the World Series before interleague play in in uh, in baseball. You know, you, you'd have the you know the Braves and the Toronto Blue Jays, and they're far and away the two best teams in both leagues. But you don't know until they play each other yeah. in the World Series, and you kind of hash it all out, you know, so... Well, and you uh, had East Coast versus West Coast, but yeah. West Coast, but Duke, North Carolina is what, separated by what, 10 miles? Eight, yeah. eight miles, Eight miles, eight miles I mean, yeah. So. Yeah. My, Crazy. My, my cousin Jim is a diehard North Carolina guy, and uh, you know, he, he travels to watch Carolina play oh, wow. a couple times a year. You know, he went up to New York to watch him play in Madison Square Garden last, uh, this past season and stuff like that, so... So he's he's a Carolina guy through it. So when we talk, I'm not allowed to mention the the D word when we're talking there. So, uh, well, guys, thank you so much. I know this was quite the endeavor, and 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 Tom, once again, thanks for thanks for hosting. More than welcome. Um, appreciate your time. Uh, not only tonight, but I mean, all together, this was like a six hour process that everybody committed to here for this for this hour and forty minute podcast. But. Nice. Uh, uh, I think it was a great discussion. I think a lot of people are, even though we're talking about a documentary, I think we hit on a, a bunch of great coaching things that people can take from it and, and encourage people to come out and or to, to go and watch this and, and, you know, obviously space it out if you need to, but uh, it's it's well worth watching here. So, uh, G, thank you. Dom, thank, thank you. you. Josh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I know you guys are multiple-time guests on, on a pen and a napkin, so it's greatly appreciated. Um Hope folks enjoyed this podcast. It was a lot of fun to do. Uh, we'll be back next week with another. I think we have a feature film next week with that podcast, but I can't remember right now. So I, I'm I'm very confident it is. So and I think it's a newer film. I'm pretty sure it is. So I don't know. We'll you find know, out when we get there. When do you do the Notebook? <laughs> the Notebook. <laughs> the, the, the Notebook. Uh, yeah, right after we do Gone with the Wind. There you go. That's, yeah. Right after thoughts we do on that. that. In between, uh, in between Gone with the Wind and Casablanca. There you go. Yeah. So, well, hit me up if you do Wizard of Oz <laughs> <laughs> or any Columbo episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I could do a Columbo podcast. <laughs>
Inside Columbo. <laughs> Inside Columbo. <laughs> you, you and Peter Falk hanging out there. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. It's my boy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Coaches. Oh, geez. What a way to end it. I, I never. I, I will say this. this is the first time in about 425 episodes that the name Peter Falk has come up. You have, yeah. you have broken <laughs> good, good. And if you are listening. Good, we're branching out here. If you're still listening, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to own our craft. Oh, we're a bunch of morons. One day at a time. Uh.